Hey, what's happening, No Sweat Evangelism podcast listeners? Fired up, you're with us again today. You know, this entire podcast is designed really to encourage you to share the Lord Jesus Christ with those who are far from Him. And I'm excited that you're here with us today, and I'm super excited that we have David Lambert with us on the line. David is actually the pastor of First Baptist Thompson and just doing a phenomenal job when it comes to evangelism. And this entire series for No Sweat Evangelism is really us kind of interviewing some guys who are pastoring and really asking what makes them tick, how God is using them. And through those conversations, it's been pretty tremendous, some of the gold nuggets of truth that we've received to really help us in the area of evangelism, which is, again, why I'm excited to have Mr. David with us. So, David, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Hey, listen, fired up that you're with us. I know not everybody will know your full story. So what I'd love to hear just briefly is kind of take a minute, tell us how you personally came to faith in Jesus. Yes. Well, Levi, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Maryville, Tennessee. So that's there near uh, Knoxville and Pigeon Forge and that area. So I grew up in the shadow of the Smoky Mountains and Neyland Stadium, so I, I got to say, go Vols! I'm I'm sorry to have to. to hey, thank you so that, much but, for uh, joining us today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Keep going, man. <laughs> but I, you know, so I grew up in a small church there, and 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 a family, extended family, all involved. So I had such a great example of godly people in my life. And one one year after revival service at our church, I went home with some questions, and my dad got on the couch with me with the Bible and walked me through the Romans road, made sure I understood, and we kneeled right there in the living room, and I prayed and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And I was eight years old at the time, but I remember like it was yesterday. Dude, that is awesome. And what an awesome heritage of faith in your family, too. Hey, tell me this. I know you've got a great passion for winning people to faith in Jesus. Uh, I guess my simple question behind that is why? Like, what really drives your passion to lead people to faith in Christ? Well, you know, when, when you've been given the greatest gift there is, to ever receive. And, and and if you believe that, and if you believe in the reality of hell, and you believe that people matter, how can you not want to passionately reach people for Christ? I mean, how would you not want to share that good good news with others? You know, the way I see it, it's the Great Commission. That's what Jesus has left here, left us here to do. And it's not just something I preach, it's something I believe that, you know, if 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 it was just about me getting to heaven, why didn't he just take me? The minute mm. I was saved, he's, mm. he's left me here as his ambassador to proclaim that good news to others. I, I think the reason people aren't more passionate is because we get so distracted mm. uh, or we get discouraged. or Maybe we feel uh, ill-equipped to witness, and so fear sets in. And I, I feel like as a pastor, one of my jobs is to help people to be focused, to encourage them, and to equip them so that they've got that boldness and that confidence to take those open doors God presents to them to share the good news with people. And once you do that, once you lead someone to faith in Christ, it's contagious, and and it, right. it just it just that excitement builds, and you want to do you want to do it more. And and it's a, a it's something that that never ceases to amaze me and excite me when I have that awesome privilege to help somebody pray and turn from their sins and trust in the Savior. That's right, man. I love it. You know, you kind of mentioned there in your answer the need to equip your church family to share the gospel. Let me ask you this. Do you guys have a certain tool that you use to help train your church family? Uh, we've used several different things. Uh, this past year, back in, in uh, 
February and March, really right right up into the the lockdown, yeah. we were doing who the Who's Your One campaign, and um, we geared up for that somewhat last fall with some Sunday night studies as well. But we used uh, the three circle uh, conversation guide, yeah, um, the life conversation guide, and that has been a really great visual tool to help people sort of uh, conceptualize how they can explain the gospel to folks and just a simple way you can you can outline that and share it. Uh, we also use the uh, uh, your 30-second testimony, uh, and this was something we actually, I actually picked up uh, the way that I do that at the GO conference last uh, last August, you know, a year yeah. ago, and uh, and just my life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, my life after Jesus. That's and right. we walked people through and helping them think through how to simply, quickly explain uh, sort of in that elevator speech, you know, you, you've maybe got three minutes with somebody. How can you explain to them very simply what it means to come to faith in Christ from your own personal story? So That's we exactly right. use use those two things or the, the two main tools we use or that the three circles and that 30 second testimony. And hey, I've used both of those tools as well, pastoring a church. And I would say at the same time, if you're listening to us today, just a quick shout out reminder that we do have a tool from the Georgia Baptist Mission Board entitled No Sweat Evangelism. So if you want to grab hold of something that can train your people in a very simple way to get into a gospel conversation and lead them to make a decision for Christ, check out nosweatevangelism.com. That's nosweatevangelism.com. Hey, David, did you like that little commercial I just gave? That was great. Oh, God yeah, bless you, you man. You did that real well. Well, I just took right <laughs> off of your lead. So anyway, listen, man, I know you, uh, you've you been reaching people, and when you when you think about reaching people, is there somebody who's helped fan the flame of evangelism in your life before? Well, all, all my life, my grandfather uh, was somebody who loved to share Jesus with people and, and just loved people, period. And so he's always been my preeminent example uh, but more recently, Dr. Leonard Dupree, who is our pastor emeritus here, he's been a mentor for me. Uh, he's somebody who is also so passionate about sharing the gospel and making disciples. Um, and so he has been a more recent person that I've looked up to and, and really try to to model his passion and his consistency. And I've got actually some church members uh, here at First Baptist who are so passionate about personal evangelism, and they encourage and inspire me every day. And hold me accountable. I know, I know they're out there sharing their faith. And so it, it just, it just further helps me to, to be out there alongside them doing the same thing. Man, that's pretty awesome. What's wild is pretty much every person I've asked this question always points back to a pastor who's influenced them. And then you've got a great heritage. It sounds like your family, man. Sounds like a bunch of soul winners. I love it. (laughs) That is good stuff. Hey, listen, I know, I know you've been in ministry now for several years, uh, is there anything you have had to change in your method of sharing Jesus with others to fit our current culture? Yeah, I think that uh, people are a little uh, leery of if, if they feel like that you're just coming at them with a, a prepackaged presentation and you're just kind of rattling off something. You know, I, I think, you know, and, and when I was young in ministry and I was a youth minister, you know, starting out, I, I think maybe I was a little rigid in the way that I probably came across with people. So I think it's important to have a very conversational approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask a lot of questions. I listen as much as I, I talk. That's good. And right just there. try to show that respect to people. Uh, you know, Peter talks about we have, we have to be ready at all times to give the reason for the hope we have. 
but he says do it with gentleness and respect. And so I think it's just that gentleness, that respect of of giving them equal time to talk to us, to share their story with us, and then and then we can share our story with them and how Jesus can be a part of their story as well. You know, so, you know, sometimes all you have is is time for a one-off conversation. You you may have to just kind of give that presentation, but I try to build relationships with people in an intentional way. And it, you know, it could be, you know, somebody that, that that's a waiter at a restaurant that I frequent, or it could be uh, the bank teller, or it could be somebody down the street. But but this those people, or, or it could even be somebody who comes to the church. You know, the 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 pest control guy or something like that, but just somebody you can build that ongoing relationship with so that you share Jesus with them through the relationship. And and that's there's such an authenticity there. And I think people pick up on that. You know, Jesus when he when he ministered to people and he did miracles, he never did two the same way. He always tailored the the way he responded to somebody's need according to them. And I think we have to do the same in evangelism. That that we just can't follow a script it, it's got to be personal, even even if even if that's just a a fifteen minute connection you ever have with this person. There's a way to make it personal to them. That's good, man. That's a real good word. Well, let me kind of throw this question at you real fast. Uh, I know you're leading an evangelistic church right now. Is there something you can do to kind of give our listeners a little insight into what you have done as the leader of the church? that your church family's grabbed hold of and, and it's really kind of sparked that, you know, culture of evangelism in your church family. Yeah. You know, it, it's where I'm at can be a, a bit of a challenge. We're a rural community. Uh, it's a small, tight-knit community. Everybody's either related to each other or they went to school together or that's something. Right. You can't gossip and, about and anybody, can you? That, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been here 20 years and I still find that, oh, I didn't know you were related to so-and-so. That's you know, right. that, that still That's happens, your wife? But, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean what I said. That's you know, right. you yeah. got you got always be careful. But it, you know, the the challenge of that then is that people feel like they know everybody, mm. and they know that well, they go to such and such church, and, and by go to church, it means that they used to go there. You know, sure. they're, they're members there. Their mama went there, whatever. But it it just to help people recapture that burden for the lost, and and to go back to that person that they've probably tried to talk to a thousand times or, or to just not assume that this person's a Christian just because you know that they used to go to church or they're a member at a certain church. So it's it's helping people look beyond that membership and, and, and you know, it, it can be hard having to go back to that high school buddy and, and try to share faith with them. And, and, and sure. if you feel like that maybe you've done that before and hit a roadblock. So it's, there, there's not a lot of, of new people moving into our area. And so that, that becomes its own challenge and struggle, just helping people open their eyes and, and see folks in a different way. Uh, I think emphasizing prayer and, mm-hmm. and helping them pray for that burden, um, to pray for the Lord to send workers into the harvest field and, and for them to be willing to be one of those workers. So we, we start with a real emphasis on that, on that prayer, and on just helping them to open their eyes and see people as Jesus did and have compassion on them, to see them as, as harassed and helpless, you know, like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, and then, and then, just to build this atmosphere that's conducive to evangelism. Uh, one of the things I've told our people is that values are something that hangs on the wall, but culture is what walks down the hall. Mm. And so we've got to move our value statements from just, you know, hanging on a sign on the wall to becoming something that we're living and walking in every day. And we talk about that we want to be 
missionally engaged, reaching our neighbors and the nations with the gospel. Well, that's got to be more than just lip service. We've got to then put our our feet to the ground and make that a reality. And one thing I've learned is just as a pastor, just as I start to get tired of saying something and I feel like I'm harping on it, <laughs> that's about when my people are starting to really catch it yeah. and grab a hold of it. And so we were building up to the whole Who's Your One campaign and 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 I was using this language and, and really preaching on this and working on this, you know, more than I had in the past. And just, you know, so we start the campaign, and I think, my goodness, these people are going to be sick and tired of hearing me say these things by the time we're done. But, you know, just as the lockdown happened, I felt like, man, people were catching it. The ball was moving. We had momentum. Things were exciting. And then it came to a screeching halt. And one of the great things that uh, we did this past fall was the Impact Your uh, campaign. And, and I sort of branded that here as an impact year one and used it as a refresher mm. to say, go back and kind of capture some of that stuff we were doing back in the spring and the winter. And, uh, and our people really got energized by it again. And we, we, we've baptized probably more this year. Uh, and we'll, I still have one more baptism coming up here soon, but we'll baptize more this year during a pandemic year when we were shut down for three months Come on, than we probably have in the last 15 years. Dude, that is awesome. So, it is so let, let me ask you this then. So is there one thing that you can kind of point to that says this was the game changer for our church family? This is what made the difference. I, I think it, it was helping them to see evangelism as having gospel conversations, mm. that you don't have to be a, a preacher and you don't have to be an expert, you know, whatever that means. You You have to be somebody who loves folks and is genuine with them, and you have those conversations looking for that opening to be able to share your story Man. of, of, how, of how, what difference Jesus has made in your life and then to make that ask of somebody. Would you like Jesus to make that kind of difference in your life too? That's a I, good I think just that, that turning point is critical. That's really good, man. You know, it's kind of interesting as you describe the culture where you currently are is similar to the culture where I was pastoring prior to this new role at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, but it was a rural area everybody knows everybody everybody's kind of related to everybody mm -hmm. but what was interesting you know I, I had moved from Cobb County to North Hall and uh, White County is kind of the areas where I was I, I, I realized evangelizing in that area was completely different than Cobb County like in Cobb County I would talk to people and they were just you know the furthest thing you can think of from being a follower of Jesus but then when I got into this rural area I started running into a lot of people who had a church background but still weren't followers of Jesus. But I had to convince them that their church background wasn't sufficient to save them before they would even listen to the message of the gospel. It was just a unique you know, take on trying to live as a missionary in a different culture. You know, th this idea that we get inoculated with just enough Jesus, you know, think about like a vaccine. We hear about vaccines in the news like mm -hmm. crazy right now. That's right. They give you just enough of the virus that you build up an immunity. Mm. And I think that oftentimes here in the South, especially people – can get just enough exposure to Jesus that it's like they become inoculated. Oh, uh, wow. And, and we, have to, we have to help them see that just because you believe certain things about God, just mm. because you've gone to church, doesn't mean you know him. It That's does right. not mean that you're a Christian. And so you're exactly right. It is a different challenge altogether than going into an environment where people have no exposure to the gospel. That's right. Uh, and it's a different approach. And, and so that conversation, that gospel conversation, takes on a very different uh, flavor than it would, you know, say maybe in downtown Atlanta. 
you know, la- last question. This is kind of deep thought here, but if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you just started ministry, what would you say to yourself? I would tell myself you've got to make sure that you spend time working on your relationship with God and don't let that fall second place to doing the work of ministry. One of the things that I, I think back myself is that when God created Adam and Eve, the first thing they did was rest. Mm. And at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he was baptized, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus hadn't done anything yet. right? He hadn't, he hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't preached any sermons. He, and so I take both of those together to say that we've got to focus first on our relationship with God as his children and just enjoy and relish that relationship and know that he loves us and he's pleased with us, not just because of what we do, but who we are in Christ. And it's out of that that then ministry flows. And I know that the tendency for me is to get so busy, especially the season like this, heading towards Christmas and you're doing all these plans for the holiday season and then you're looking forward to next year and there's so much going on and it's so easy to just read the Bible for the purpose of a devotional or a sermon or to to find that most of your prayer time is centered around ministry and other people, which is important, don't get me wrong, but but we've got to be children of God first, servants of God second. And I, I at least know for me, I tend to get those things a little out of order. Pastor David, that's a uh, phenomenal statement. Children of God first, servants of God second. And I appreciate you sharing that. And it's been an absolute pleasure just to have you on the line for a little bit and hear about what God's doing in and through your life as well as your church family. I know y'all have been a great encouragement to many people, and it's been a, a great, great honor just to have the opportunity to chat with you for a bit today. So, Pastor David, yeah, thanks a ton. I know we'll catch up with one another. But for those of you who are listening, let me just remind you once again, uh, we have a evangelism tool called No Sweat Evangelism. It's a very simple tool that you can grab hold of. You can train yourself. You can train your church family. You can train small groups, uh, teaching them how to share the gospel in a simple, easy-to-remember way. Matter of fact, it is so simple. My eight-year-old daughter has used this to share the gospel with her friends. So you can grab hold of this, and uh, you can find it at nosweatevangelism.com, nosweatevangelism.com. And once again, thanks a ton for spending your time with us today on this particular podcast. Hope you have a blessed day, and we want to thank you for being with us. And also, once again, thanking our producer behind the scenes who is taking care of business, Mr. John Graham. God bless you.